Mark chapter 16. I love that song that we just sang. And I love the progression of the verses. I hope you pay attention to the words as you sing and don't just mouth them. Uh, our God deserves and is worthy of all our love, all our thoughts, all our mind, all our heart, all our strength. That's why the Bible says, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength. He's worthy of it all. When all God's people said, Amen. It's true. All right, Mark chapter 16. I'm going to preach a message this morning that's a simple message. It's not something that you haven't already heard. Uh, it's uh, something that uh, we just need to be reminded of. I know I need to be reminded of it. And if I need to be reminded, then you probably do too. So with that in mind, let's all stand together and look with me in, in Mark chapter 16. And just one verse, verse 15, then we'll go right from there. And let's say the verse out loud together in unison. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Let's read together. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be here this morning. We're thankful for the opportunity to have your word and to have it open and allow it to be be preached and preached freely uh, lord to whom much is given much shall be required and we've been given an awful lot we've been given a lot in our country uh, we have tremendous freedom in america and we need to use that freedom for the propagating of the gospel and then lord uh, we've been given so much in jesus christ uh, I'm just so thankful for the salvation that we have. And we ask God that, that you would bless this time together in your word. Lord, I pray that you would, you would uh, push me to the side. And I, I mean that with all my heart. I pray there'd be nothing that I would say or nothing I would do that would bring reproach or cause, cause uh, uh, any, any, any uh, uh, fleeing of the thoughts but it would keep us, keep us uh, pinpointed. I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God might have control of the rest of this service as we continue. And, uh, Lord, may our hearts be open to you. And may we be reminded of the reason why, after we got saved, you didn't just take us all home, but you left us here so that we could give honor and glory to you and through you in this particular activity that we're about to look at this morning. We pray your blessings upon. Now this time in your word, speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. What I just read to you was some of the, some of the final words that Jesus Christ spoke to his disciples. And not only to those men that were there, but also to us. And, and the, the, the words are, are, are basically the, some of the last words, the, some of the departing words that he gave. And, and he summed up in one small sentence, he summed up what our marching orders are. Uh, he left, he ascended into heaven, but he left us here. And he left us here for a purpose. He left us to be a witness and a testimony uh, to the world about Jesus Christ. And so what we have in verse 15 is our marching orders. And our marching orders are very simple. Go ye into all the world 
and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, obviously, who he's speaking to is folks that have trusted Christ as Savior. He's talking about the fact that freely you receive, now freely give. Uh, God's been good to you. He, he saved your soul. He gave you eternal life. He gave you forgiveness. Uh, he, uh, he gave you a purpose in life. Now he wants us to take that, that blessing and he wants us to spread it. Uh, you know, we were talking uh, this, this morning in the adult Sunday school class about the fact that sin spreads. Well, sin, sin does spread. And because sin spreads, we need to spread the gospel. And we need to make sure that we are, we are part of the cure out there rather than part of the problem and uh, fulfilling our marching orders. Have you, have you ever just sat and thought about what uh, things led up to you trusting Christ as Savior? And, you know, if we were to ask, we were to ask for testimonies this morning about your salvation, there would be all different kinds of testimonies. And there'd be different circumstances, different times. Some of you got saved in the morning. Some of you got saved in the, in the uh, afternoon. Some of you got saved in the evening. Uh, some of you got saved uh, very late at night. I, I got saved at one o'clock in the morning. That fits for me, you know, that just does. I'm a night owl. Uh, but, uh, uh, it's, you know, uh, some folks got saved in church. Some folks got saved at home. Uh, Brother Alan Ives, who we've had, had here several times, uh, he got saved on a bicycle. He was, he was bicycling right after someone had witnessed to him, and he cried out to God and asked him to save him right there on that bike. But, but, but how did you get saved? Well, somebody got you the gospel. Someone sought you out. Someone on purpose, through one means or another, made sure that you got the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody took Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, seriously. Uh, they, they didn't take it lightly. They, they took it as a personal responsibility. And I am so glad that somebody got me the gospel. There were really two people that were involved in it. One was, one was seen and one was unseen. The seen one was Pastor Mullen, who confronted myself and three other guys. We were... We were <laughs> Uninten unintentionally visiting his church at about quarter to 11 one night. And uh, uh, he came out and uh, greeted us and then uh, said, Let's, I'd like to show you the church building. And we ended up in his office. And before we left, he asked us if we knew for sure if we died, we'd go to heaven. The other one that, that was involved in that process was a gal by the name of Val at that time. Her name was Hulick. Uh, before she got married, and uh, she was a teenager, and she had witnessed to a, a couple of uh, fellows that were friends of mine, and that's what all the events that took place that, that ended up in, in my salvation that evening. Um, and these folks, none, neither one of those two folks were, were passive about it. They were both aggressive about it. Now, I don't mean nasty, and I don't mean, I, I, you know, I don't mean uh, uh, inappropriate, but they were aggressive. To them, it was important that we get the gospel. And, and you know, I, I'd like to ask you the question this morning. Is getting the gospel to other people important to you? Do you take that as a personal responsibility? Um, so, somebody got the, the gospel to you. 
and, and uh, uh, because they knew that you were needy and they knew that you were, you were lacking. Uh, you were not okay. Uh, you know, I was, I, I was happy and, and pleased with my life at the time, but I wasn't saved and I was heading for hell. And I'm glad I had somebody point that out to me. Now, that's not a popular thing to do. Uh, it's not, it's, you know, people want to be thought well of. People, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't like giving bad news. I like giving good news. Um, and, uh, and the good news involves, the good news of Christ also involves some bad news. You've got to give the bad news first, and then, then you give the good news. But uh, they don't, oftentimes people don't like to hear the bad news. Uh, it's not, uh, not a popular thing to do, and it's often not received at first. Um, the, you know, if, uh, if you give the gospel to somebody one time and then quit, uh, you know, you are really faltering on your responsibility because the truth of the matter is most people do not get saved the very first time they hear the gospel. In fact, usually uh, the very first time people hear the gospel, they're antagonistic. Now, I got saved the first time I heard it, but I started out that evening very antagonistic, okay? And, and again, we, we, we don't... We, we, I, I, at least I hope you don't enjoy confrontation, okay? I don't enjoy confrontation. But, but it's necessary to confront people with their sin. And uh, so what somebody did was they, they uh, pointed out to you that you had a need, and they pointed out and urged you to repent and, and to turn your back on a lifetime of what you've been taught and a lifetime of sin and turn to Jesus Christ and to trust him and him alone as your savior. Uh, go with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Acts 26, Paul is giving his testimony to Agrippa of uh, what God had called him personally to do. And this is really true of all of us, Acts 26, verses 18 through uh, 18 and 19. Acts 26, 18 and 19. He said this. He said this is what he was called to do, to open the eyes, their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is, that is in me, meaning the Lord Jesus. Where, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. In other words, that's what he was called to do, and, and he fulfilled that calling. Now, why was it so necessary that he do it? Why is it necessary that we do it today? Well, it's because witnesses are needed. Jesus Christ is no longer here. Yes, we do have his word, and praise the Lord for the fact that we do have the Bible, the word of God. It, it gives us the answers, and it tells us of eternal life. Here's the problem. The problem is the average lost person won't pick it up. The average lost person, if they do pick it up, they pick it up with a critical spirit rather than uh, looking for answers. And so it's absolutely necessary for people to have vocal, verbal 
aggressive witnesses. Now, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans, and this is where we're going to camp out for the rest of the message. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And the, the, really, the whole, the whole chapter of the book of Romans 10 uh, explains to us why witnesses and why us being witnesses is so necessary and so dire. Uh, look with me in, in the first three verses. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What he's saying is, is that Israel's lost. And Israel are, are my brethren. Uh, that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. And he said, he said listen, I, I, have, I, have a, I have a desire and my desire is to see Israel saved. Now, did he see Israel corporately saved in his lifetime? No, he didn't. But he saw people trust Christ as Savior because he was obedient to the call that he had. He was obedient to his marching orders, and he was a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Paul remembered that the... the, the, the uh, uh, situation that he described Israel to be in was where he used to be before he trusted Christ as Savior. Before he got saved, he was, he was trusting in his own righteousness and did not submit himself unto the righteousness of God. And so, so he, he realized that, that it was necessary to get the gospel out. It was necessary for him to be a witness because of the world's condition. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world isn't getting much better. Uh, you know, my, my wife and family and I arrived here right about 30 years ago this month uh, here in Auburn. And uh, when, when we came to Auburn, God gave me a burden for this area. God, and I've always had a burden for the state of New York. I was, I was brought up here. I was raised here. And uh, uh, to this day, still have a burden and a desire to see uh, people in this area come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, but, but the problem is, is they have a need and they don't, they don't know what their need is. They don't know what their condition is. And that's our responsibility. Uh, they think it's possible to be good enough to go to heaven. They believe that their righteousness will get them there. And, uh, and, and you, you see, I saw that immediately as I came into this area and started, started knocking on doors. But really that's true all over, that people think that they can get to heaven because they're good. Uh, you, you can't. And, and people think that they can go to heaven if they just go in the way that they think is right. You know, the, the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, you know, you've got folks today that, that say, well, there are many ways to God. No, the truth of the matter is there are many ways to hell. <laughs> I mean, take your pick. There's all kinds of them out there. But there's only one way to heaven, 
And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said the, 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 the gate was narrow and the, the, the way was narrow. And, and uh, it's narrow because there is only one way. And the world needs witnesses because they don't understand what their condition is. The second reason why the world needs witnesses, look down in verses 4 through 8. Verse 4 of Romans 10 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is, which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach. Uh, witnesses are needed because the cure is Jesus Christ. It's not a church, it's not religion, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not a creed, it's believing on Christ personally and trusting him and him alone for the forgiveness of sins. Keep your finger here, we're gonna come back to it, but go to John chapter three. John chapter three, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, a very, very religious man. And, and I, I find myself often going to John 3 when I speak to religious people who, who are religious but lost. Because that's exactly what Nicodemus was. He was religious, but he was lost. And Jesus gave him some very important truths. Look in verse, verse 18 of John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, He that believeth on him, speaking of himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You have heard, and I probably even said it early on um, in, in my Christian life, well, you've got to be careful what you say to people because you don't want to push them into hell. The Bible says if they've not believed, they're condemned already. They're already under the condemnation of God. And you say, well, that ought to bother them. Yeah, it should, but here's the thing. When I was under the condemnation of God, I didn't know it. I mean, I didn't. I really didn't know it. I had to have somebody tell me that I was under the condemnation of God. Um, I, was, I was speaking to uh, someone who's, who's in the ministry. He's in... He's, uh, uh, He's a, he's a good guy and he's a friend, but uh, he's stuck on one particular aspect of Christianity. And that aspect that he's stuck on is the love of God, which is fine, that's good, but we need to be careful. And, and uh, because you can be unbalanced on that thing, just like you can be unbalanced the other way. But, uh, but I got to talking to him one day and I said, you know, I said, the first thing a lost person does not need to hear is that God loves them. Man, he, he, he says, well, I never heard anything like that before in my life. This man has been in the ministry for years. He said, I never heard anything like that before in my life. I said, well, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, not the love of the Lord, but the fear of the Lord. 
That's the bottom line. I mean, that's the, well, that's not the bottom line. That's the, the foundation. The bottom line is that, that God does, does love you. But you've got to first understand that you've got a need. And if you don't understand you have a need, then you can't be saved. And it's important for the world to know that. How are they going to know it? We have to tell them. We have to tell them. Now, no one likes to be the bearer of that kind of news. Nobody. I don't like, you know, when I, when I go down through the plan of salvation and I'm witnessing to someone and I let them know that the Bible says that they're a sinner and on their way to hell, I take absolutely zero joy in imparting that knowledge to someone. I take no joy in that at all. Um, but, the, but it is the truth. And it's something that I am so glad that when I was witness to, that was the very first thing. Uh, Pastor Mullen did not tell me, God, first and foremost, God loves me. He told me, first and foremost, I'm a sinner and I'm heading for hell. And uh, it was good for me to hear that. I did not like to hear it. I did not want to hear it. But it was necessary that I hear it. Can I tell you something? No one ever told me that before until that night. Nobody. Nobody. Now, I think I'd be, probably be surprised if I had it revealed to me how many Christians up until that point I had had contact with. And I, don't, I don't know because they never opened their mouth. But, but I would imagine there were a whole lot more than what we would, we would, we would know of. Uh, and it's just simply because they, they were not fulfilling their marching orders. And I don't have anybody in particular in mind. I don't have anybody in mind. But uh, before, before I trusted Christ as Savior, can I tell you something? I was absolutely never given a gospel tract. I did not know the gospel. I did not know what it was until the night that I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And, and you need to understand that the, the world does not know their condition and the world does not know that the cure is Jesus Christ. Look with me, you're, you're in John 3, look down at verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Um, you know, people say, well, what about Buddhists? And what about Muslims? And what about this group? And what about that group? The Bible makes it very clear clear and very plain. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So that means that, therefore, my responsibility is to let other folks know that he is the cure because they don't know. Uh, go, to, uh, go to John chapter 8. I mean, these are things, I, I'm reading you verses that when I was, you know, when I had just turned 17 years old, I didn't know any of these truths. I didn't know a thing. Uh, John, chapter, John chapter 8, some of you, some of you have had, and maybe several, many of you have had a privilege of, of uh, being brought up in a Christian home. My kids have had a privilege that I never had. I never had the privilege of being brought up in a Christian. No, my wife did, and that's good. But, but uh, because of that, there's a lot I didn't know, and there's a lot I had never heard. And you've got to understand, sometimes, you know what we do? We, we kind of 
Sometimes we live in a little bubble, in, in our little church world bubble. And we forget that folks out there have no clue. They have less clue now than they had when I got saved. Because at least I had some sort of a church background. I understood who Jesus Christ was. When the preacher told me about hell, I knew what hell was. When he told me about heaven, I knew what heaven was. When he told me about sin, I knew what sin was. There are, there are, there's a growing multitude of people today that don't have a clue about any of those things. They don't know. Part of the reason why they don't know is because we haven't told them. You know, we say, well, they ought, they ought to take the responsibility and find it out. Well, they should, but they're lost. And you know what I found? I found that lost people usually act like lost people. <laughs> and and uh, they're not going to act any differently. And so, if, because they're not going to be responsible in that area, it's important that we are. Look in, in uh, John 8 and verse 30. John 8, verse 30. Jesus is speaking. It says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth frees people because Jesus Christ is the cure. Uh, go to John chapter 14. And I, I've quoted this already, but we can take a look at it anyway. John chapter 14. And look in verse, verse 5. It says, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Notice that the article the, <laughs> that word is used over and over and over again. I am the way, the truth, the life. Not one of the ways. He is the only way. So in order for them to know, they have to have a witness. And he, he, said, he said it, he made it clear, but most of the world does not know that. And that's where you and I come in. It's our responsibility to let them know that Jesus Christ is secure. Witnesses are also needed because of the simplicity of, this, of salvation. Look, look in, in uh, chapter 10, look in verses 9 through 13. And these are verses that I use often when I'm witnessing to someone because they are so simple. And verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love verse 13 because that's exactly what I did. In fact, I remember after I prayed and asked the Lord to save me that the pastor, when, uh, before I left, he took a tract and he wrote the date, he wrote the time, and then he wrote Romans 10, 13 on the front of the tract and handed it to me. I can't tell you how many times after that night, I went back to Romans 10 and verse 13 and, and, and read that verse. 
Uh, it is so simple. It just simply says, if you, you know, from verse 9 to verse 13, it says, if you believe in your heart and you, with your mouth, ask him to save you, confess it, he says, you'll be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you get any simpler than that? No, no, you can't. But because it is so simple, the world needs to know it's simple. You know why? Because religion always complicates things. It does. It just it makes a mess out of things. And, and that's what the religions of this world are doing. They're saying, well, you got to do this, and you got to do that. you got to be this kind of person. you got to be that kind of person. you got to give this much money. you got to go, go to this church. you got to do this. you got to do that. No, you don't. All you need to do is trust Christ as Savior. You say, well, that's simple. Yeah, but they don't know that. And if you and I don't tell them it's simple, they'll never know it. And they'll die and go to hell for all eternity. And it's not necessary because it is so simple. How many of you, I, I just wonder, how many of you that are here this morning got saved under the, uh, either at the age of 12 or under the age of 12? Let me see your hands. Wow, bunch of you. Okay. You know why you got saved as a little kid? Because it was simple. It was simple. It wasn't complex. Our oldest son, Joel, is the, the one who got saved the youngest of all the kids. He got saved at six years old. And I was careful with him because that, that sounds awful young. <laughs> it really does. But he got it. I mean, he got it. We saw a change afterwards. Uh, we saw him grow afterwards. Uh, it, it, was, it was obvious that, that, that uh, you know, that, that he grabbed a hold of it. But how can a six-year-old, you know, I, I, heard, I heard a preacher one time. This was at a preacher's meeting. I, I, oh, this upset me. But he made a comment. He says, you know, he says, the older I get, the more I think that it is not possible for young children to get saved because they can't fully understand it. You know, who I, you know who I'm, what I was listening to? I was listening to a man who took something simple and made it so complex that in, in his church, people get saved two or three times a year because they keep doubting their salvation because they don't think they did it just exactly right. That's not the salvation of my God. The salvation of my God is simple. <laughs> it's simple. It's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You can't get much simpler than that. Just simply realizing you're a sinner on your way to hell, trusting Jesus Christ as Savior, crying out to him for mercy, believing on him, and you'll be saved. Uh, you know, the... Oftentimes, in fact, most of the time, I use what we have called, what we've grown to call the Romans Road. And Romans Road is Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, Romans 6.23 says, uh, the wages of sin is death. There's two kinds of death in the Bible. There's a, a physical death, and then there's also a spiritual death. And if a person doesn't have forgiveness of sins, they die spiritually for all eternity. And then the last half of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus 
Christ our Lord. And then we, I oftentimes will tack on Romans 5, 8, and 9. And then Romans 10, 9 through, 9 through 13, which we just read. And, and that's, that's basically the Romans. If you know that, you know, how to, you know how to win a soul to Christ. Now you say, well, you know, I was talking to someone here just recently. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I don't use the, the Romans road per se uh, like I used to to win people to Christ. You know what? I really don't care. As long as those four elements are in there, they know they're a sinner, they know they're on their way to hell, they know that Jesus Christ is the cure, and they, they repent and trust Him and believe on Him as Savior and get forgiveness of sins, that's all that's necessary. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't make something complex that is really simple. And it is simple. But the world doesn't know that it's simple, and that's why it's important for us to tell them. Uh, go, to, go to Romans 10 again and look down at verses 14 and 15. It says, how, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Witnesses are needed because of a lack of people proclaiming it, a lack of preachers. And when I, 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 I hesitate to use the pre word preachers because you think of me or somebody else like me behind the pulpit. No, no, no. When it comes to the gospel, we're all called to preach. Ladies, you've wanted this opportunity for years. Here it is, okay? You can preach. You know how you preach? You tell people the gospel. That's just pro preaching, that's proclaiming the Word of God. And uh, uh, witnesses are necessary because there's a lack of witnesses. There's a lack of witnesses. You know, one of the, one of the things that has really kind of grabbed my heart here over the last couple, three years, I'm hearing of more and more churches in the state of New York. They're without pastors. Boy, that bothers me. There's a church right now over in Newark that hasn't had a pastor for some time since, I think, uh, late, late winter, early spring, I believe. And, uh, and they're, they're having a hard time just finding somebody to candidate. That's, 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 that's not good, okay? The pool is real, real shallow when it comes to independent, fundamental, King James Bible-believing uh, preachers. It, there's just not a lot out there. But can I tell you what's even more alarming than that? There are not a whole lot of witnesses out there. Now, there's a lot of Christians, less saved people, but there's not very many witnesses. And what, what uh, Paul was saying to the, to the church at Rome was, was, listen, folks, to the Roman believers, he said, listen, he says, uh, you know, how in the world are they going to hear it if they don't have a preacher? Now, what, they, what he was simply saying was, how in the world are they going to hear it if you don't open your mouth? How are they going to hear it? They're not going to hear it. The only way they can hear it is through us. You know, how will, will people call on someone uh, that they don't believe in? Uh, how will they believe in someone that they've not heard about? 
and, and again, you know, you say, yeah, well, there's a lot of people, though, in Auburn that, that know about Jesus Christ. Yes, but they, they know the wrong information. You know, they think that he is a part of salvation, not the sum total of salvation. I mean, I thought that. I thought, well, yeah, you know, Jesus came and died for my sins, and I need to believe on him and be a good person. No, 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 it's not believe on him plus anything else. It's, it's simply believe on him, period. That's it. Trust in him and him alone. Not anything that I can do. It's not of, a, not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. It's all him or nothing at all. And, and uh, we need people that will be willing to proclaim th th those things. How can they hear without someone telling them? And again, I just go back to my own testimony. If someone hadn't told me, I'd either already be in hell or I'd be still heading there today. But somebody told me. You know, and they were, they were you know, bold about it. Now, that particular, that particular preacher... I found uh, was one of the best soul winners I've ever seen anywhere. I mean, he just he just had a he had a gift, and there are people literally that are all over the world to, today this morning uh, that are in the ministry because he personally led them to Christ. Uh, that's wonderful, but but you say, well, I don't have that kind of a personality. All right, just open your mouth. Because if you don't, if I don't, who will? Who will? They can't believe if they don't have someone who can tell them the gospel. Look with me in verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Last reason why witnesses are absolutely necessary and needed is because it's the only way that works. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And don't just give them your cute little platitudes or cute little phrases. Give them Bible. The Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Not just my fancy words, it's the Bible. Faith is what's necessary, and faith comes from hearing God's word. And, and uh, any, any one of us, in fact, all of us, are capable, are capable. The question is, are we willing? It's not whether or not we're capable. You know, some may say, well, I, I'm just not very social. Uh, I'm not very good speaker. I'm not this, I'm that. We've all got our excuses. The truth of the matter is, if we want to do it, we can. If it's, if it's a dire need in our eyes, we will open our mouth and we'll be a witness for Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, it, that every person in here has a very unique, has, has, a very, has many very unique opportunities to be a witness. You know, your, your sphere of influence is not the same as my sphere of influence. You folks over here, you have a different 
you have different spheres of influence and the folks over here and the folks over here have a different influence sphere of influence because you come in contact with different kinds of people do you realize how broad your influence goes it goes a whole lot farther and a whole lot broader than what we realize and the bottom line is this if we don't tell them who will now what's important to understand too when we're looking at this whole whole process of being a witness is, and, and fulfilling our marching orders is to understand what's God's part and what's our part. Well, it's simple. God's part is this. You can't save anybody. <laughs> you can't save anybody. You know, I, I can't tell you the number of times I have heard new converts uh, point to either myself or somebody else who just won them to Christ and say, well, man, it is so great because he just saved me. Now, I know they don't mean that. I hope they don't. If they mean that, then they're not saved. Uh, but but in, in reality, what they mean is he told me how to get saved and I did it. That's, that's usually what they mean. But, but sometimes we forget we're not the one that does the saving. We're not the one that convicts a heart. You cannot convict anybody. You can pressure a lot of people, but you can't convict anybody. Only God can do that. Uh, only, only the Lord can pay it all, and he did. He paid the whole price. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit has to reprove them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Again, I can't do that. Why? Because I can't get in a heart. But the Holy Spirit of God can speak to a heart. And, and, uh, and, and in, in John 6, 44, the Bible says the Father's got to draw them. And all those things have to, have to be taking place. But, but again, without a witness, those things aren't going to happen. We need to be a witness, and that's what our part is. Our part is to sow the seed of the Word of God. Our part is to open our mouth and be a witness for Christ. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and look with me down in verses 17 through 20. <clears throat> Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In other words, when you get saved, you're different. You know, when, when, uh, when you, before you trusted Christ as Savior, you had a live body, you had a, a live soul, but you had a dead spirit. And the Bible says that when you trusted Christ as Savior, that he hath quickened you who were dead in trespasses and in sins. He quickened you. He made you alive. And now you are a new creature on the inside. And as you begin to grow in Christ, then that begins to manifest itself on the outside. And people start seeing a difference. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Then look with me down in verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It says we have, you know, the wall that divided us and God when we got saved dropped. We're now reconciled to God. And now since we're reconciled to him, God says, okay, now you've got that ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means you go on out and tell other people how they can find what you found. 
Go out and tell other people how they can get new life in Christ like you've got it. Go, go and out and tell other people how you got forgiveness of sins because they can get it the same way that you got it. You got reconciled to God. Now we have a ministry, all of us have a ministry of reconciliation, telling other people how they can be reconciled to God as well. Um, in verse, um, verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the, the uh, word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you, by us we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Uh, it's, it's our job to represent Jesus Christ because he's not here anymore. He's gone. And he left us in his place, and we are to be witnesses. Uh, take your Bibles and turn, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is a verse that we recited before the beginning of each service here for a month. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And look at verses 24 through 26. These are the verses that we quoted. It says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. What, what it says there is that if you're going to be a witness, it's going to take patience. If you're going to be a witness, it's going to take work. If you're going to be a witness, it's going to take tenacity. That means you don't quit. You just stick with the stuff. If you're going to be a witness, and the world needs us to be a witness. If you're going to be a witness, it's going to take meekness. Uh, that just simply means you give up your own rights. There's some... There's, uh, there's uh, sometimes when you will uh, open your mouth and be a witness, maybe even at your own expense. But you're, you're willing to because you know, you know that people need to hear the gospel. And then, of course, none of verses 24 through 26 would even take place unless people cared. That's probably the biggest problem. We get so caught up in everything else that's going on around us that we just stop caring. Can I tell you something? God still saves souls. I don't care if it's COVID. I don't care if half the world blows up. Well, I do care, but, <laughs> but, but the truth is, the truth is, is that regardless of what happens, God's still in the soul-saving business. You know, just because there's a, there was, there still is a pandemic, that does not mean that my marching orders have changed one bit. We're still to be a witness. You know, uh, COVID has not, not uh, taken any of the saving power of God away from it. You know, many... Many things have changed, and, and I realize you've you got to change some tactics, you've got to change some, you know, this year we just hung door hangers on because some folks are still spooked uh, about, about answering the door to strange people uh, because, of, because of the pandemic, and I understand all that. Last year we didn't do any of this, this stuff. 
but we hopefully still should have opened our mouths when we had the opportunity. Now, I realize we had less opportunity last year because things were closed down and things were closed up. But, but just keep in mind that our marching orders have not changed. You know, Christ still saves sinners. Uh, you know, with, with no hope, help from anyone or anything from the standpoint of he doesn't need any help doing the saving, but he definitely needs us to be a witness. And he still delivers those who call on him for mercy and who call on him for, for forgiveness. Yes, we're living in perilous times. Yes, uh, you know, things do change. But one thing doesn't ever change, and that's our marching orders. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's not just my responsibility. That's not just the responsibility of those that are in quote-unquote leadership in our church. That is the responsibility of every person who is a new creature in Jesus Christ. Our responsibility is to tell the world how they can have the forgiveness that only Jesus Christ can give. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father,